Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN congressional correspondent Ryan Nobles, in for David Chalian, and this is the CNN Political Briefing. If there's one thing that most people can agree on, it's that America's infrastructure is in sore need of repair, and they'd be right. It recently earned a C-minus score from the American Society of Civil Engineers. This week, President Biden unveiled the first part of his major infrastructure proposal, a roughly $2 trillion plan that has the potential to drastically reshape the American economy no matter where you live. I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. It builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed and it's going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world. So today I'm going to walk you through what we know about this plan so far, the challenges ahead, and what it could ultimately mean for you. The first part of Biden's massive spending plan is the kind of infrastructure you're likely familiar with, right? It may be something you deal with every day. The plan includes hundreds of billions of dollars in funding to fix roads, bridges, railways, and other types of transportation. And here are the benefits you can expect to see when you leave your home, head out to work, travel on vacation. It's funding to fix and modernize 20,000 miles of highways, roads, and main streets, as well as improving overall road safety. Get rid of those potholes that are probably frustrating you on your daily commute. The bill would also fix, quote, the most economically significant large bridges and repair the worst of 10,000 smaller bridges across the country. That's not to mention billions in investments in public transportation, ports, waterways, airports, the list goes on and on. If you travel in any way, shape, or form, this bill is going to impact you. And Biden says that all of this will improve American competitiveness. And this is an important part. He believes that it will create good-paying jobs. will generate historic job growth, historic economic growth, help businesses to compete internationally, create more revenue as well. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg with this proposal. It really does a lot more than just the traditional infrastructure that you probably learned about in your high school physics class. It also includes billions of dollars in funding aimed at boosting manufacturing, building, renovating, and retrofitting affordable housing, and rebuilding the country's water infrastructure, as well as massive investments and upgrading and building new public schools. There's also significant investment in digital infrastructure. The proposal aims to provide every American access to affordable, reliable, and high-speed broadband. And I can tell you, in the halls of Capitol Hill, this is a major priority for members of the House and Senate. That's also going to have a major impact on the lives of rural Americans. The proposal also provides $400 billion to bolster caregiving for the aging and disabled in America— Again, it's not something you think of when you think infrastructure, but it is something President Biden has made a top priority. We certainly put in the caregiving component of the package the president did because he believes caregiving has a huge impact on our workforce, the cost, the time, the energy, the effort. And then finally, almost every aspect of this proposal is aimed at creating a greener American infrastructure. In transportation, that means major investments in electric vehicles, efforts to limit greenhouse gas emissions by spending on public transportation and upgrading public vehicles. 
and manufacturing, it would incentivize companies to focus on clean energy and allow the federal government to buy things like electric cars, charging stations, and electric heat pumps in order to spur more green manufacturing. This bill will affect so many aspects of everyone's daily life, but there's more. It's really just the first part of Biden's infrastructure plans. The second part of the package, focusing on what the White House calls the care economy, is expected to be revealed in the next few weeks. That is expected to include even more wide-ranging proposals aimed at impacting Americans' daily lives. Things like universal pre-K, significant spending on childcare, and proposals designed to try and address portions of the workforce hit hardest by the pandemic economy. Make no mistake, this bill will face plenty of challenges before it actually becomes law. And the first is the timeline. Speaker Pelosi's goal is to pass this measure before July 4th. In terms of Congress, for a package that is this big, that is lightning speed. And the White House hopes to pass the package through the Senate this summer. That's incredibly fast for legislation that hasn't even been written yet and not everybody's on board with. The divisions of the moment shouldn't stop us from doing the right thing for the future. I'm going to bring Republicans into the Oval Office, listen to them, what they have to say, and be open to other ideas. And while the administration and the president have said repeatedly that they're open to working with Republicans, that seems increasingly unlikely given that the plan is paid for by raising taxes on corporations, and it would mean restoring some of the tax cuts that Republicans proudly slashed back in 2017. My advice to the administration is, if you want to do an infrastructure bill, let's do an infrastructure bill. Let's don't turn it into a massive effort to raise taxes on businesses. So this is really going to be a test of democratic unity. And there are some tensions between Democrats who want to pursue infrastructure more narrowly and those who view infrastructure as an opportunity to advance long-held democratic priorities. For instance, there are moderate Democrats in the House who say they're unwilling to vote for this bill in any way if it doesn't eliminate the cap on state and local tax deductions. And there are moderates in the Senate who are a little nervous about things like the climate initiatives. And then there are the progressives who say the whole thing just isn't big enough. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted about the proposal. This is what she said, quote, this is not nearly enough. The important context here is that it is $2.25 trillion spread out over 10 years. Needs to be way bigger. But here's how White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain explained how the White House views these divisions. There are definitely some in our party who think it's too small. There are some in the party who think maybe it's too big. We kind of think it's just right. But all of this hinges on the Senate parliamentarian ruling that this package can be passed through reconciliation. That's the budget tool that allows legislation to be passed with only 50 votes if it directly impacts the federal budget. A ruling could come as soon as this week. If it can't be passed through reconciliation, that means 10 Republicans would have to support it. And that is unlikely. We're going to have to see how the politics shake out. But if this plan is passed, it will be a historic reshaping of the American economy. I'm convinced that if we act now, in 50 years, people are going to look back and say, this was the moment that America won the future. Biden is a student of history, and there are some comparing the ambition of this proposal to transformational figures such as FDR or LBJ, ready to take advantage of the unique moment provided by the pandemic to accomplish what he sees as a historic achievement. But while Biden feels he can rise to meet this moment, 
navigating the politics is something else entirely. Well, that's it for today's special edition of the CNN Political Briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is our executive producer and Haley Thomas is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Will Cadigan, Emmanuel Johnson, Mimi Mutesa, David Toledo, and engineered by Francisco Monroy. I'm Ryan Nobles. David Chalian will be back on Monday. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com briefing. netsuite.com briefing.